This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Horbach Expats. Horbach Expats was founded by young women who moved to Germany and shared the common belief that financial literacy should be a right and not a privilege. Their team of consultants offers financial advising in six different languages, and they even have a consultant who specializes in U.S. Americans living in Germany. You guys might remember I teamed up with them for an event around the 4th of July, and this January we're teaming up again for a new event. This time we're going to talk about investing in real estate in Germany as expats. We'll cover everything from getting an investment property to investing in a home for you to actually live in. And of course, we'll get into some of the complications that come with being a U.S. American in Germany. Join us on Monday, January 17th at 7 p.m. That is in just a couple days. So this upcoming Monday, mark your calendars. And if you haven't already, you can sign up at the link in the show notes. See you on the 17th. This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Lingoda. They're a fully online language school that offers classes in English, business English, French, Spanish, and very importantly, German. I started using Lingoda almost exactly a year ago when I wanted to start learning French. I really liked both the quality and the format of the learning. The class sizes were small, so me and maximal four other students, and all of the teachers were native speakers. And with the format, you can just sign on for whatever level you're at at whatever time you have available. Lingoda is actually most famous for their sprints. With the sprint, you challenge yourself to take 15 classes a month for two months. If you do that, you can get 50% of your cash back. Or you can sign up for the Super Sprint and challenge yourself to do 30 classes a month for two months to be able to get 100% of your cash back. With the start of the new year, there's really no better time to commit to your language goals. So you can go ahead and sign up by February 1st and your classes will start February 11th. And if you need a little push over the edge to get yourself motivated, if you sign up with the code expatcast2022, you can save 20 euros or $25 on your deposit. Click the link in the show notes to sign up. Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories of fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I teased last week that this week's guest was one of my favorite people in the world, and it is. It's true. It is one of my closest friends here in Freiburg and my roommate, Summer. She's been on the show before a couple years ago, and both of our lives have taken a lot of crazy twists and turns since then, including that we ended up living together and, you know, living with her friend. It's a dangerous thing, but been at it for a while now, and it's going quite swimmingly. And one of the cool side effects of this is that you just have a lot of time and opportunity to talk to that person, especially when one of those years that you've lived together is in lockdown. So Summer and I have a tendency to just fall into all sorts of topics of conversation, but often they're very much about culture and often they're very much a bit philosophical, (laughs) I would say. And I was really excited to get her on the show again and and capture one of our conversations. The title of this episode is All Thinking is Comparison. You guys will hear us explain that at the beginning of the episode. And yeah, it's kind of a funny origin story to a phrase that's ended up haunting us or guiding us. I'm not sure how to describe it over the past year and a half. And it, it means a lot of different things at a lot of different moments. And it's just one of those phrases. I don't know if you guys have this with people who are close in your life where you almost develop your own language, right? Where you, you're just like dropping in certain phrases or words that have a specific meaning to you guys. And all thinking is comparison is one of ours. <laughs> so it comes up like at least once a week, probably like two or three times a week, honestly. Sometimes it's jokingly and sometimes it's quite earnestly. And 
I think you get a little bit of all of that in the episode. So, okay, I hope you guys enjoy. My name is Summer, and that is, in fact, a Pakistani name in Urdu. So that'll tip you off to the next fact, which is that I am Pakistani-American, born in the U.S., raised in Karachi, Pakistan, and then most recently, I lived in the U.S. for college, and then I kick-started my career there. So I, I have lived on now three continents. And how long have you been in Freiburg? It is, oh gosh, it's coming up on three and a half years. Guess what? What? We live together. Oh. <laughs> this is really funny for me because we're recording from a wall apart. Okay, but this one's been a, a long time coming. I guess like a over a year since the concept entered our lives. So we're going to start this whole thing off by explaining the title of this episode, which is All Thinking is Comparison. I am very curious if any listeners in Nuremberg hear that and think, hey, I've heard that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Where does all thinking is comparison come from? And because you know me, you know I'm also partially asking because although I was a full participant (laughs) in this life event, I only kind of remember it. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the parts I know. It was September 2020. We were on a romantic weekend getaway no it was a it was a whole week we were basically traveling a little around germany because it was summer of 2020 and real travel like traveling home or traveling somewhere totally new was out of the question so we kept it local with germany and we went to nuremberg and we were in nuremberg and i don't know we were probably walking nope nope i'm already gonna cut you off for a second because (laughs) nope that's not what happened um (laughs) we were not already in nuremberg we were actually on the train Oh, shoot. Yeah. And we were uh, going through a tunnel. And that is where our eyes beheld graffiti. It was graffiti um, on the wall of a tunnel. Were we on the train from Freiburg? Or was it? Wow. Okay, wow. This is even more mysterious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we were we were both zoning out like we were just looking out the window. And both of us were like, whoa, I do kind of remember having this moment of seeing it, reading it and being like, oh, interesting graffiti and then being like, wait, what? And then getting (laughs) to the point where it was like, no, I need to open my mouth and say something to you. And I think you had the exact same journey at the same moment. Because then we said, we're like, what? Did you see that? (laughs) Um, So then we okay, okay, then I guess we arrived in Nuremberg. And then we had our little weekish long adventure did we talk about it in between or did did I just like hold it in my back pocket it actually led to a little bit of a debate and then it was <laughs> me being opinionated and you being opinionated and then me being like no that's not true all thinking is not comparison there's thinking that's also not comparison and so you were like okay and then you just knowingly nodded and then we were in Nuremberg walking around uh I said something that was surprise surprise a comparison And you were like, (laughs) see, for all of the parts that I don't remember, I kind of remember the delivery being something like, huh, okay, like, yeah, that's interesting that you say that. Um, It's like almost like all thinking is comparison. (laughs) That's exactly it. Yes, you brought it right home. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's the origin story Mm -hmm. of of the title of this whole concept. I don't know, because since then, we kept it. We brought it home as a souvenir from Nuremberg, (laughs) and we reference it a whole heck of a lot. So here we are, because I want to use this 
graffiti from somewhere to talk about comparative thinking in the concept of living in different countries. So I, I guess like I'm coming into this from the U.S. and then moving to Germany. Like in the U.S., I moved around a couple times in three different regions. So I was in the Northeast, the Midwest, and the South. And then, yeah, and then I came to Freiburg like four and a half years ago. I mean, this is just like the most obvious thing I could possibly say on a podcast about living abroad. But like all you do when you live in a different country is compare it <laughs> to the other country. <laughs> and you mentioned at the beginning you have three continents. And then, yeah, so I mean, the giant big question is like, what does all thinking as comparison mean to you and to me in this concept of living different places? Yeah, I guess one of the things that it makes me think of is because I do agree with you that a lot of your time is spent uh, comparing. Yeah, I think that just generally being aware of comparison, it's definitely amplified by always being somebody who's on the outside of the experiences going on around you, like outgroup. It can be a very exhausting and isolating thing to always feel like you're doing, but it's kind of baked into the experience of choosing to be where familiarity is not the going thing. The exhaustion's so true. And sometimes I get annoyed by my own dang self because I feel like in certain interactions, or especially in conflict moments, I'm really quick to, to be bringing in the fact that I'm from a different background and that for me, this is different. And and then I get annoyed because I'm like, okay, is this like all I really talk about? Yeah. <laughs> is this the only thing? And then so sometimes I try to scale back how much I'm really bringing that up because especially, I don't know, I'm coming from a Western country to a Western country. Like there, there's a lot of things that are very similar between the two. And I wonder sometimes if I'm falsely attributing differences mm-hmm. or or I'm sort of especially in these conflict moments, like grasping onto it, being like, well, it's different. And so this maybe doesn't excuse it, but it explains it or contextualizes it. And then I get, yeah, yeah, I just get exhausted by myself bringing it into it. But then when I try to leave it out, it feels like, okay, but this person's not understanding something because I'm not communicating it. So then I do have to communicate it. And then I'm like, this is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like the easiest, most lighthearted example that I was thinking of is eating healthy. Okay, we live in Freiburg. It is a city of, how should we describe it? Barefoot people? <laughs> barefoot vegans. Yes, barefoot beings. Yeah. Uh, we'll just let whoever is listening and has not been to Freiburg conjure whatever image that brings up for them. But if your mental image does not include white people with dreadlocks, then quickly <laughs> affixate that onto, just Photoshop that into that mental image. And, and now you're in the right direction. So I was thinking it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, I see this to contextualize it because people here are, yeah, they're very vegan, they're very environmental, and they're very outdoorsy. I think all around they're pretty healthy people. I mean, I think Germans are generally, but I think Freiburg has a specific thing going for it where it's very present, this kind of like health orientation. And then I'm here and I'm like, I think I'm like eating incredibly healthy, the healthiest I've been ever eating in my life. But I think back to the US and it's like, that's also a scale, right? Like, so my family would probably identify as people who eat pretty healthy. But if I ate the way that they eat now, for me, it would feel probably unhealthy in certain ways. But that's just because I have this like new level of Freiburg vegan standard comparison. Everything has to be organic and whatever. Um, Whereas, you know, you just take the US culture, like, there's preservatives in everything. Mm. And so to be making healthier choices there is like a pretty big 
leap. And then here, I mean, in our household, I am known for being the house dog. I just <laughs> eat all the food and I'm constantly snacking in, I don't know, in comparison to you guys, because you guys are much healthier. So that's just a very basic one to say, like, am I even a healthy eater or not? I don't know, because compared to a lot of people around me here, I'm actually one of the less healthy people in our little group. But then I go back home and I get made fun of for eating so many vegetables and being like, why are you eating the fruit at the party when there's cake, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we have an extra level or I think layer of access to said healthy food because there's this delightful thing that happens every Saturday of our lives, which is that there's a farmer's market, just a two minute walk if that from us and not to sound like that person like our lives in Germany are just so hashtag blessed but (laughs) it's just to to draw the point that yeah where as you mentioned as well I'm coming from Pakistan then the U.S. then here to Germany and in terms of farmers and access to organic or as we call it here bio food I had the most organic experience in Pakistan when the fruit and vegetable vendors used to come door to door. They would push their carts through the neighborhood, but you wouldn't think to call it organic because it was all (laughs) freaking organic. Um, (laughs) You know, it was coming right from the source to our our doorstep. And I remember when I lived in the U.S., uh, which was for well over a decade one of the first things that happened, as you can imagine, is that my my stomach had to get used to everything being so different and refined. And I think a lot of people maybe don't really think of or know, maybe I wouldn't if I wasn't from there either, that in Pakistan overall, it's a very large country population wise. So when I say Pakistan, I do mean like my personal experience of it have access to really hearty, healthy, from the earth food, right? And that when I moved from Pakistan to the US, I was appalled um, (laughs) to see like, in a way, like the poverty when it came to nourishment in, in food and like the nutrition information on the side labels, really, it took me years to just get on board with what was going in my body. And so I thought living in the States, not even for a second, considering that I would I was going to move again to yet another place, uh, I thought that those days of having very ready access to non-engineered and, and pretty good um, organic vegetables and fruits, I thought those days were behind me. Coming here and having another layer on top of it, which is to have a lot of the comforts then that I did not have in Pakistan and that I thought I was, you know, that I was leaving behind in the States, that I would have all of those things here and also the vendors. It's been a really good plot twist. Uh, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't really consider it too much before moving here. It's one of those things that didn't cross my mind. And now it features so prominently. And I should also say one more thing is like the idea of healthy is constructed differently because I've had People visit me here from the States and say, oh, how does everybody eat a croissant every morning for a breakfast thing that like that's so packed with butter because bread is so maligned in in the US. But here people do eat a lot of that, but the lifestyle to balance it out. Then I think different like flours and grains, different processes to get the ingredients are going on. And so that changes, I think, the overall health outcome of it anyway. But another thing I think about when I think about our farmer's market situation is environmentalism. One of the big benefits to me of shopping at the weekly market is nothing's packaged. So it's very eco-friendly. And that makes me feel pretty good. 
But also, as soon as anything gets complicated, I am far less environmental Mm. because some of my environmentalism is convenience-based. But this is also something that I remember feeling like I was annoying to people around me when I was in the U.S. I would have roommates who would order Chinese food. And in the U.S., it would come in this pretty thick plastic container, which you can totally reuse. Like the quality of it is equal to Tupperware that you buy at the store. (laughs) Um, And so I'm watching them finish their leftovers and being like, trying not to say it and then just like being like, but, but, but what are you going to do with that container when you're, when you're done? (laughs) And their answer would be like, I'm going to throw it out. And I was like, oh, I kind of can't let you do that. Like, I need it. I will clean it. I will use it. It's fine. But yeah. And I remember feeling like super annoying about that. So, but anyway, that whole story, just to say like there, I was super environmental. And again, that's something people kind of make fun of me for being like, oh, well, like she's going to be annoyed because they gave us a straw and she's not opening her straw because she's saving the fish or whatever, you know? And I do know. You come here and it's like, yeah, I'm like biking to work. I'm shopping at the farmer's market. But, you know, if if I don't make it to the market, then I go to a normal store and I buy three onions that are in an unnecessary plastic tube. Like (laughs) I'm not not doing those things or like I'm not opposed to riding in cars. I'm not, you know, there's a lot of ways in which I'm not environmental in the eyes. Again, especially people living in Freiburg who are very concerned with these kind of a thing. And I think for me, this is where the shadow part of all thinking as comparison starts to come out because there's a lot of comfort and a lot of other things in your life being taken care of that, in my opinion, need to happen to care about the environment a certain amount. In a lot of ways, in times in my life or in moments in my life where I'm not being environmental, it's because I'm in some sort of a survival mode. Like when I was in the U.S. not really making ends meet and I had to work five jobs to go to school full time because education was expensive. I would sometimes drive a really old car that was horrible for the environment or, (laughs) you know, I was just making different choices. Um, If I was buying clothes at all, it was fast fashion because that's all I could afford. I wasn't saying screw the environment. I was saying I can't afford to care right now. And sometimes when especially in Germany especially in Freiburg when people are being really environmental and for them it's very social like most things it's not individual it's social so if you're not also being environmental then it's okay for them to say something to you and sometimes it just really gets to me because I'm like look you don't understand how else it can be Mm -hmm. that this is so far beyond where I had my line and my standard at that I can't even with the fact that we're having this discussion. Part of what I think the comparison comes down to is that we're really caught up with looking at ourselves through our own eyes, but then also being really concerned with how we're being seen through the eyes of others. The comparison, when I try to shed it in real time when I'm out in the world, it's partially because there's this there's this thing I read the other day that said, don't believe everything your mind tells you. Just because these are comparisons in my head does by no means mean that they are accurate or that other people are comparing at the rate that I am. And so a hot take about the environmentalism is that um, sometimes it feels a little performative here in Germany. That can be really controversial, I know. But the reason for why I say that is because I very much agree with you that when you look at what's called like the hierarchy of needs, which is, you know, your fundamental needs of safety and shelter and um, emotional needs being met, 
one of the benefits, I think, of comparison and knowing what it's like to be from the U.S. is we understand that there are many moments in our lives individually, yours and mine, but also collectively. We know that if we've had so many similarities in how we've had to curb our food intake or, or yeah, like skip meals or drive cars that are not environmentally sustainable, that's because of the system that's around us. And it's oftentimes here, it's presented aggressively as individual choice. So like, Mm. oh, if you're not doing this thing, it's because you must not value it. Or in the US, on the flip side, it's like if you're driving a car that's got these emissions going on, that that's because you don't care. And that's just not the case here in, in Germany. We are able to live more sustainably because the structures allow it more so, but sometimes they don't allow it and it's punishing. It's It can be a source of shame for anybody who's struggling a little bit, be that emotionally, mentally, or like financially, If you, because we do have supermarkets here with lots of packaging. They're just frowned upon, right? And the lifestyle is such that that's like not the going thing. You won't see it commonly, whereas in the U.S., we know only too well that like that's what's accessible and so many of our other needs are not being met um, on the regular that we just can't we can't worry about that so yeah oftentimes it's not a value judgment as much as it is like an illustration of a larger point right yeah and I think I think it's just always so present in my mind and sometimes it's explicitly said that someone's kind of perceiving you in a certain way or understanding that this is your value and and then it's it's hard for me because I'm like this is just your perception of it because of your specific background and like come meet my family or come meet my friends they have the exact opposite opinion of me in this exact regard just because again the context is so different that it's all relative right like all thinking is comparison mm-hmm. so here I'm this and that and then there I'm the exact opposite and hard to express that I think and then also it's just sometimes frustrating and then some of it is just me being like I want a gold star because actually some people would think I am good for the environment <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 exactly and I think that's also something you know what it's making me think of um like you were mentioning how when other people put what feels like a judgment on you and then you get defensive about it it's funny because I play these games where I'm convinced that I know what somebody's thinking on on the tram or at the supermarket (laughs) and they're not they're probably not they're they're just living their own lives but a lot of times I am so caught up in explaining like you said as well my context so that I'm, I'm in such a hurry for people to understand why I behave differently from them that I'm the one who sets up the comparison preemptively a lot of the time. And that's been really interesting for me to consider. Yeah, because, you know, I do my my work makes it so that it's just built into my everyday life that the differences between American culture and German culture are just a constant point of reference. And so comparison is I can't escape it (laughs) even if I try And a lot of times it's really, it's enjoyable for me because mm, as somebody who appreciates other people's perspectives, as most of us do, I get to hear um, what people think of the American affect and manner a lot of the time in a way that I was just missing because I, I don't have the distance from it, right? And so one thing that comes up often is this idea that Americans are 
forced happy. And so because now I've been made aware of the idea that like there's this impression of Americans as being really like boisterous and excited all the time, which wasn't news to me. But the but the, the angle that was new is that a lot of people think it's disingenuous. And I got so defensive. Yeah, just internally, I was like, well, who gets to decide that, right? Like, obviously, not all of us are categorically disingenuous. But a lot of people here and elsewhere tend to think that we are just like, extremely happy all of the time. And by way of comparison, I'm like, well, why are y'all not happier? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I just love this twist of it where it's like, uh, like Americans, they're all fake happy. And I'm like, Germans, they are genuinely miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Neither is true. Neither is true. Neither is true. <laughs> yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. But that's the that's the classic downfall of a comparison, right? Where it's like, you are tempted to go to the extremes of it. But it's true that like, based on everything we've touched on so far, we're so jazzed about the things that our lifestyle here gives us access to. And so when we see other people who this is just normal for that this is the water that they swim in, we're just like, really? You're not going to be happier about that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yet they don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. And sometimes the priorities or the concerns, like on a human level, I can understand it. But then on a bigger level, like there are certain things that I just like wouldn't even think to make a topic. And then I experience, be it coworkers or friends or whatever, really wanting to go to bat for this thing. And I'm just like, oh, okay. It's just like this reminder that like this is a really big, important thing. Meanwhile, I'm distracted by this whole other set of issues. I mean, I think back to especially when like Trump was still president, you know, Mm -hmm. and because I, I work with, with um, newspapers and magazines at work a lot. And I just I could not take a lot of headlines seriously that were trying to be like, Angela Merkel, like, is she doing this and that bad thing? And like, are, is Germany basically screwed because of this and that? And like, meanwhile, a recovered reality, a non-recovered reality star is running my country. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I cannot take this concern about if Merkel is running your country into the ground seriously, because like, would you like to see what it looks like when someone's running a country into the ground? I can show you. Like, it's right here. It's my whole damn country. Yeah. Um, and so it was just really hard for me. And, and sometimes in a bitter way, like, I think this whole thinking as comparison thing sometimes does bring out parts of me that I'm not necessarily super proud with, of. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't always try to lead with them because it can sound really bitter and, and as if I'm not taking someone's perspective seriously. But yeah, it does like it makes me go there. And then I think again, I'm like, I'm I'm sitting here in an utter bubble of privilege coming from like middle class white US to being a white person in Germany and also doing good financially and all this kind of stuff at this point, like wasn't always the case. But yeah, anyway, and I'm trying to be like, oh, you think you have problems? Have you seen me and my country? I'm like, oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Well, and I mean, it's true, right? To a certain extent, like I'm over here to be like, don't cut your point because it's true. Like, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking like as much of a virtue and a value as it is to give yourself perspective, it's also important to just be like, just because some somewhere else people have it worse doesn't make it so that again comparison right yeah <laughs> doesn't make it so that your frustration is not valid and that's something that i'm learning so okay if i am to accept to a very large extent that all thinking is comparison 
then (laughs) rather than resisting that as I initially was, I'm like, okay, what can I do with this information? Um, And honestly, I found it, I think, to be really, really helpful because if I can kind of relinquish the shame around comparing and see why it is that my brain and presumably the brains of others, um, what's the function, right? So to get a little bit nauseatingly discursive or academic here for a second. Please. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason and there's a function, right? Like it's not just an annoying thing and and from an evolutionary perspective, oh, I just said those words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, but from an evolutionary perspective, it's very, very useful and beneficial to compare, right? And so like, I'm not going to say that it's wholesale bad or anything. It's just a feature and something to be seen and and contextualized also. And to what I what I noticed in what you said a minute ago was, yeah, the idea of America being just this really capable person, like it reminded me of when I first moved to the US at 18 years old. Um, my I remember my my freshman and my junior year, there, there were some really intense things that were happening back in Pakistan. One of those things was violence-based, and I was genuinely very concerned about my family, but also getting used to being someplace that was safe but not feeling safe because, yeah, it just takes a while to like adjust to your surroundings. And that was a time when there was a lot of upheaval in Pakistan, and then I moved all the way to the cornfields of Pennsylvania, and so it was a very, very stark difference. And so it took my body and my mind a lot of time to adjust to where I was now. So sometimes what would happen is like I lived right next to the chapel, the bells would ring or like on the main street, these semis would go by and I would think that it was a bomb blast or something like that. And I would it would just be I can't explain that to the people around me. I couldn't even really explain it to myself. So that was a way of comparing that was like really confusing for me. Um, And I ended up getting really frustrated at the people around me who never had to worry about that. Yeah, it was very isolating in that way. In my junior year, there was this really devastating flood in the north of Pakistan that displaced millions of people. And I can remember it like it was yesterday. I would hear my peers on campus talking about how their Hollister order is stuck in the mail. And I was I was like, seriously? You're thinking about this and that's it's not their fault. Like that's mm-hmm. their life. And I didn't want to shame them, but my reaction was valid too. And my issues and what I'm distracted by and what I'm concerned about is just dramatically different because I'm comparing and it's I have to, you know, it's it's not really a choice. And if I could be blissfully thinking about my Hollister order, I would be, which is part of why I'm I'm pissed, is because I can't, right? Sometimes it's not really a choice. And so I'm trying to relinquish the shame around comparing because it's not something that I've opted into. But when I see it as a function of just how I'm showing up in the world, I'm trying really hard to not judge it or shame it and really ask and get curious about what is this comparison drawing my attention to. I mean, and I think something worth noting here is probably part of the reason that this phrase has stuck with us for so long and been so present in so many conversations is because it's also in some ways a bit of a shorthand for privilege, which is a 
really big topic that's not easy to unpack overnight. So of course, it's something that we're still thinking about. And we're actively both navigating our experiences with that through these moves and through the life changes that have come with them and the people that we've met along the way. And so it's it's tricky because you're trying not to be evaluative about it. But the Hollister order concern is valid to them. And so is your being like, that's really not the problem right now. (laughs) And then what do you do with that? Like if both are valid and then you're living in the same world together and interacting, like how do you move forward with that? So I guess one of the last points I wanted to get to is how has it been interacting with people who, let's say, don't have a comparison to put it to? Talking to people or interacting with people who have only existed within their culture. So to bring back that phrase from earlier, like they don't know the water they're swimming in because they haven't been outside of it to get those comparative thoughts going the way that we've been talking about. So, I mean, that happens too, at least for me on both sides of the Atlantic. I'm with people and I care about people who don't have that baked into their life experience. Some of them are aware and curious about other experiences, but that curiosity isn't always natural and it's not always effectively communicated, let's say. (laughs) So I I don't know, for me, when I think about interacting with people without comparison, it puts a lot more work on them, Mm. (laughs) which is tricky because it's like, did they sign up for this or not? (laughs) You know, like I think about my workplace environment where it's sort of a random fact that I'm not German. Like my, my work hired me because of my experience in this field. And the fact that I had a different background was like cool, but not necessarily important. Um, It's not an international work environment by any means. And what's first and foremost in most of our interactions is the work. I say that all to say like a lot of those people, both coworkers and then customers I'm, I'm interacting with, they didn't come into a library signing up to have an international experience to learn <laughs> what water they're swimming in. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting there being like, hello. <laughs> it's now present whether you wanted it or not. It puts a bit of the onus on on them. Like I can't really do anything about it. Like this is my experience. This is who I am. I'm not from here. And so I have an accent and I think differently. It's just there for me. And I can do certain things within that, but it's it's somewhat limited. Um, and so it kind of puts a lot on them to be like, how how are you going to choose to interact with, mm-hmm. with this, with me? Well, and if one of the functions of comparison is to be like, I'm taking responsibility for whatever the onus that is being put on me is, right? It can sometimes be a way to organize what is and is not mine to carry. And I think in that way... If you contrast that idea of somebody coming into the library and now they have a cultural experience that they didn't know they were going to have, another way (laughs) to construct that is like, wow, how lucky for them. They didn't even know they were going to have a cultural experience today. And here we all are, right? (laughs) And I'm just saying that because I've had to kind of do that in my life really rigorously. There's, There's been times when I've gotten so caught up in this narrative of like, you don't even understand how much privilege you have. And I catch myself on this because something that I'm not mentioning that I forget often is that because it's all relative and all thinking is comparison, if you take my lived experience and you compare it to the like the average Pakistani experience, I come from a lot of freaking privilege. Like the language that I am speaking right now and the accent in which I am speaking it denotes a lot of access and privilege. And we can be here talking about that all night. But all I mean to say is that like, there are lots of people who can look at me and wag the same finger that I wag at privileged people who have generational wealth, let's say, and don't even know it. But yeah, the same exact Hollister claims can be levied on me by people who have even more fundamental needs that aren't being met. You know what I mean? So I'm 
actively trying to also be like, I want to balance out the negatives of comparing and where I feel like the deficit is present of how people are seeing me with the net positives of what I bring to this environment that I live in, you know, like trying to understand that if I pose a challenge to people who otherwise did not sign up for an international experience, then rather than feeling bad that they now have to grapple with it, I've kind of started to take the approach that how lucky for them (laughs) that they have the exposure that they do because I'm going to do my best to be a delight. But also they get to show up with curiosity and wonder and to suspend judgment. And we're all going to learn together because there are limitations to what I can bring. Like that's something that sometimes creates a gridlock for me, which is that when I am the outsider and I have to give the background of Pakistanis categorically as a monolith and then also Americans as a monolith, I spend a lot of my time trying to convince people of and tell people that I'm a very narrow representation and that what I'm saying cannot be applied to absolutely everyone who looks like me, who's hyphenated um, Pakistani American, right? That even within that group, there's just so much variety and and diversity. So I guess what I'm saying is that's part of the burden of being this. uh, and, And for me, also just like outward, like my appearance gives away the fact that I am different. And so a lot of these questions and comparisons are built into my lived experience in ways that sometimes I don't even know. Yeah, I think on the one hand, depending on where I am mentally, where I am in terms of my energy, it can feel like a really exhausting and burdensome thing. But on the other hand, I'm trying to approach this comparison with excitement and to see it as an opportunity. And and I don't always win. And that's not <laughs> that's not the goal. But seeing that comparison also presents a choice. And depending on where I am that day, I can make a choice. <laughs> It's funny too because I think I feel that way too sometimes where I'm like, well, I didn't want to have an intercultural experience with mm-hmm. you either, sir or ma'am. Like, <laughs> I also just wanted to get this thing done, but like, we can't get around it. Like, my grammar is messed up. So here we are. <laughs> or, you know, or I didn't have this piece of paper with me because. I didn't know it existed. And I think a good thing I try to remind myself of, again, especially in the context of interacting with people where it feels maybe a bit negatively present, like I think it's really good what you were saying about bring it back to what can you do in that situation. And it's like, well, you can look at it as a positive, as a great opportunity. And you you do have certain controls there. Mm -hmm. And then I think for me, it also just comes back to, um, and I think you were getting at this too, but it does enable a greater empathy. So even with only sort of my one step removed from my own quote unquote normal things I knew conceptually before I've now experienced, you know, I'm I'm a foreigner. Like that's not something that was ever true for me before. And now I know a bit of what it's like to be that. And again, I have certain things working for me that other people have for whatever reason that are working against them, be it that the country has countries have different agreements. And so everything with their passports more complicated or, you know, whatever. So even though I, I don't have that experience or like I don't have your experience of growing up in a third continent or have anything like that, I have a bit more of an understanding of what that might be like or what that might feel like. Or even one of the biggest things I think is like learning where there's invisible things there, mm-hmm. <laughs> things where you might not think it's 
cultural. I mean, like this is an example from our household. We have a lot of conversations about countertops because we have wooden countertops. In oh, our you went there. I went there. <laughs> but like that's just a very concrete example. Like this was a thing that we weren't collectively expecting to have to talk about. But that kind of counter doesn't really exist to my knowledge or it's at least not common at all no. in my culture. So I don't know them. And we collectively didn't know that we didn't know this. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one involved knew that. It, yeah. It kept revealing itself over time. <laughs> like, yeah. we're just like, wow, we really just, we just really don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, spoiler alert, the two Americans in the house messed up the countertops. <laughs> but like, stuff like that. I mean, I, that's again, a concrete example, but that stuff happens all the time. And sometimes when I see conflicts happening, I'm like, oh, I don't know if you guys both realize this, but there's like something cultural happening here that's mm-hmm. just getting confused. And I don't know that I would have perceived that before because I wouldn't have thought of that as a cultural issue. Mm-hmm. I just thought that X, Y, and Z was normal. So yeah, I think that's helpful. And then in terms of like what to do with that, it's like for me, I just try to like use this ability to point things out a little bit more when I, I think something is happening in that way mm-hmm. um, or sort of inform people who haven't left their culture or don't have as much comparison at hand. Like, hey, like this might seem like totally out of line or totally bizarre and unexpected, but this actually is connected to that and da 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 da. And so I hope, I hope in my better moments that it makes me more empathetic and culturally aware. You know, I think also like in this broader cultural moment of talking more about different cultural experiences and diversity and really learning about different experiences on this world. Like it's different hearing that having some level of experience with it myself now just to quickly double back on the countertops is like yeah I've had times when I'm just like amazed and astounded I was like I never in my life thought that I would be spending this kind of energy and not even not even like here but like to another person even describing my frustration with it I'm just like what am I doing I'm talking about a countertop like (laughs) you know what I mean like that perspective where I'm just like there's no reason to to be talking about this so much but that's also something that's been really interesting is like um and this is not just lip service I can I can attest to the fact that you exactly what you're describing right now where you can lend that kind of cultural perspective it's so helpful for me I'm drawing on very recent experiences of like where I just couldn't see my blind spot and like you had said in a very gentle but like effective way just introducing and dropping the question of like hey did we think that maybe this is a cultural thing going on it really diffused like literally it diffused the bomb right I think so much of the time I'm, I'm astounded honestly I'm amazed at what has been able to be resolved by just dropping that question into the mix and everybody kind of just releases their shoulders and takes a breath and is just like oh wow because it takes the pressure off of the individual person yeah and it takes that blame away and it just all of a sudden populates a framework around a human that before that was just like laser focused on their fault I just I really have appreciated that part of part of that is now built into my own thinking and I'm still working on it but as as tiring as it is, as some of you listening might be able to imagine to always be thinking about this, it I don't think I would trade it in for anything. You know, this is something that I've opted into and it's part of the experience that I really value and that then I end up talking to people that I know elsewhere in the world about the benefits of living this way, even when it, it gets hard. Because, of course, like we all have to substantiate and like back up our choices. And sometimes I think we 
do that even when it's sometimes not in our favor. But I really do think that this one is authentically something that, dare I say, we are bought into, which is that having the privilege of a comparison set is something of a beauty. And like, how many days until we get our matching tattoos? <gasps> All thinking it's comparison. Oh my god, it's gonna be so great, y'all. Well, okay, with that, we're gonna round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack Zack Zack. Summer, I'm gonna ask you three questions, and you're gonna answer them without thinking them, overthinking them. You're just gonna <laughs> go with your gut. Are you ready? This is a torture instrument. Please it hit is. me with it. If I gave you a pet cat right now, what would you name it? Tabitha. What is the store that you miss most about the U.S. and why is it Target? (laughs) Oh, my God. Because of my red card and how empowered it makes me feel. (laughs) You are, in my opinion, somewhat annoyingly and somewhat charmingly so excited about and friendly towards people (laughs) who drive buses, who check you out in the grocery store anyone just everyone who's your favorite person who's like one of these people that you interact like passingly in daily life like which category is the one that gives you the most joy oh my god this is a no-brainer there is a man who guards just watches over this parking lot that i pass by every day (laughs) and he is just He's just the most polite gentleman. He's amazing. And I feel like now I would like to go up to him and give him a hug because this question of yours has reminded me of it. But him. Wow. I love him so much. And he says hi every day. This is just a bounty, like the answer to this question, because I, I, I've i been on a bus with you. I've like <laughs> seen you interact with people in the world. And I'm like, what is this? But I didn't even know about like, and I've, I know about what's Richard or something or like Jorge, you've got all these friends around. And I didn't it's know true. about parking lot. Oh my man. God, both of those are real people. You don't remember anything, but you remember my random Richard and Jorge. That's, that's completely their names, guys. That's not even an approximation of what she thinks it was. That was correct. It was that. It was them. And now I'm learning about Parking Lot Man, which is just wow. He's right across. He's right around the corner from Jorge and Richard. But we can talk about that another time. I was about to say, we're going to have to sign off of this podcast and I'm going to come into your room and we're going to debrief about Parking Lot Man. (laughs) And we're going to talk about how we can advance this relationship to the point where we know his name too. And then he can also be part of the fam. Um, So this is usually where people plug your stuff. And I'm going to go ahead and plug your imaginary podcast, which which is called Summer and All of Her Friends. in each episode, you just talk about a different person that, that you are mentally friends with. Wow. Amazing. Well, thank you very much for doing this podcast episode. I mean, we have a lot of good talks, but thanks for letting me record one. Yeah. And thank you for wanting to talk to me, even though we talk to each other, what others might think ad nauseum. So um, yeah, <laughs> this was lots of fun. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks again to Summer for coming on the show, agreeing to let me record one of our conversations and share it with the world. It's not the easiest thing to do, and I really appreciate it. If you don't already, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at TheExpatCast, and you can email me at TheExpatCast at gmail.com. Don't forget this upcoming Monday, January 17th at 7pm, I'll be doing an online event with Horbach Expats all about investing in real estate in Germany. 
Information to that is in the show notes, and I would love to see you there if you can join us. I want to thank, as always, Amy Lungy Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with a Travel Germany episode. This time, we are going to the city of Karlsruhe. So until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay safe. Bis dann. Tschüss.